Welcome to the Industry Insider, brought to you by Promo Corner. Each week, promotional product professionals Meg Erber, Jeff Franklin, and Stephen McFadden, along with special guests, will discuss industry news, trends, and events with a focus on educating the promotional products industry. The Industry Insider, the nerdy news you need to know. And we're live. Welcome to another edition of Industry Insider, your promotional products podcast where you can get all the nerdy news you need to know about. My name is Jeff Franklin, National Account Manager with Headwear USA, and I'm going to get by four other lovely folks. But before we get to them, this product or this uh, podcast is sponsored today by our good friends over at TechWeld. When you're thinking about promotional items, stellar customer service, and made in the USA products and, co- and business solutions, think TechWeld. TechWeld is an award-winning promotional product supplier having received the Distributor Choice Award in the Sunglass category and the Sagney Supplier of the Year Award. Uh, go check them out at techweld.com and find the customer service that you deserve and the products that you need. Think TechWeld. Um, they've also got hand sanitizers. Look, I mean, COVID is still a thing and it's definitely something you still want to combat. So, uh, the CDC recommends sanitizing and washing hands to help prevent the spread of the disease. They have many sanitizer SKUs that could, uh, they could help do so and, uh, prevent the spread of the virus. Uh, so just remember to think TechWeld for your promotional product needs. TechWeld's a leading supplier in promotional products with a huge inventory of made in the USA items, uh, to help distributors grow their bottom line today, visit TechWeld, that's T-E-K-W-E-L-D, com and check out their drinkware, sanitizers, and kit options, and much more. Why don't we say hi to Meg Erber? Meg, how are you doing today? Hey, everybody. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. <clears throat> today is a it's actually a tough day. Uh, it's a four year anniversary that I I lost my brother, but it kind of smacks you in the face every day, even though you know it's coming. Um, but yeah, and it's also his mom's birthday, so. This, this day is always kind of hard for her. I usually wait for the day after to wish her happy birthday, but I just want to say happy birthday, Sue, and I'm thinking of you today. Gotcha. Hey, Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing, doing all right. I'm uh, happy to be in my fashionable day early um, St. Patty's outfit. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to uh, thanks to Meg. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all nice and logoed up thanks to thanks to Steven's in-house decoration and uh yeah, thanks for the uh for the awesome hoodie Meg. We are celebrating St. Patty's Day uh, a day early, but uh, happy to do so. Uh, I don't I don't think our other guests here Chris and Michelle got the memo. Uh, we'll blame Meg for that, but <laughs> Thanks Meg. Uh, Chris Chris, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you today? I am wonderful, thanks. And Michelle Rowe, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having us on. By the way, happy birthday wishes and uh, to follow up with yours, Meg. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Michelle, question for you on your last name. Is it Rowell or Row? Row. Like, okay. roll your boat. I have a Rowell up, up my way, but it's spelled exactly the same. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> funny with four letters. It's funny that you get so many different pronunciations. <laughs> yeah. I get Eber a lot. People are like, er, no. Yeah, yeah, what did uh, what did uh, what's his face call you in the uh, the the video shout out that Stephen did? Ebner, right? Ebner, Ebner, Ebner. 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 <laughs> now, he had to take two takes on it too, and uh, I was like, it didn't really get much better. But that's okay. <laughs> that was like your alias, maybe Meg. Yeah, I mean, I've been called worse. <laughs> Meg up in the air, Airber. Yeah, Airber. Right. <laughs> anyway. so we've got a good show for you guys today. We're going to talk uh, basically the future of trade shows. Um, you know where things are headed, uh, and and even how to potentially you know build one from the ground up. If you're ever looking at that, or if you're ever got any curiosities of what really 
goes in uh, into that. Um, and so Chris and Michelle are with Trade Show Logic, and uh, they've been involved in our industry uh, on the on the uh, trade show side of things for quite a while. But uh, Chris and Michelle, it is customary for us to give our special guests a good three to four minutes to introduce yourselves. Uh, normally, we would ask how you got started in the promotional products industry, but since you're slightly uh, different, we'll just ask maybe how you've heard or found out about the promotional products industry and maybe uh, one or two things that you know about the industry. Uh, Chris, why don't we start with you? Sure, Jeff. Thanks. If you don't mind, I'll just give a, a quick kind of... Uh sidebar on our company, Trade Show Logic. So we're a strategic marketing company that connects buyers and sellers, and especially related to your point in events, whether those events be face-to-face or whether they be online. And uh, obviously over the last couple of years, we found other ways to make those connections. Uh, my first entree into promotional products was about 18 years ago. Uh, I was fortunate to be the vice president of two very large trade shows called Graph Expo and Print, that were held in Chicago every year, uh, produced by NPES. And so I worked closely with PPAI and the folks over at NAPCO um, uh, Media and so on. So what was interesting about that is keep in mind that most of my attendees were printers. And it was interesting when things started getting tough and the internet became more of a thing, we saw many, many of our printers who would expand into the promotional products um, kind of arena. So I'm familiar with it for about 17, 18 years. Michelle? So my experience is uh, less extensive. Um, I have been introduced to this industry um, via Trade Show Logic and um, the connection that we have with SAGNI and um, the upcoming Promotions East. And so, um, as Chris mentioned, you know, we were a trade show um, company that, that helps a lot of associations and different partners produce their events. And my job is specifically in marketing. Um, I'm support Chris and, and his efforts on the marketing side for the attendees and exhibitors. So um, I've been zeroed in on, on SAGNI and learning all about the industry and, and how it works and who's in it and what, what the needs are. So and it's been a great experience. That's good. Jeff, if I could add just, uh, just kind of a side note about Promotions East. Um, we are very, very fortunate as we kind of recreate the show that we have not only a board, but a committee and uh, our own Meg Erber got that name right and everything, Meg, yeah. is on our committee with Charity Gibson and a number of folks who are helping us to, we're, we're not we're not the experts in promotional products, but we're experts at producing events, at buyer selling connections, at marketing and so on. But uh, I, I thank people like Meg and folks like you who are helping us really kind of embrace us in this industry so that we can produce a show that has more value for both the suppliers and the distributors. So uh, Meg, thank you for that. Oh, <laughs> But Meg, is it is it worth? I mean, since we're mentioning Promotions East a couple times today, is it worth sort of giving just a real brief uh, history on Promotions East and and you know where that started and how how it became a partnership with PPAI and then now is back to oh boy uh, back to square one or no? I mean, I can give you like my knowledge of my remembering which yeah so i mean chris do you have the timeline exact or i'm not looking for anything exact just you know i want to throw something out there that i know and meg if you want to kind of fortify it that'd be great so um sagni uh which i believe in d1 obviously and i think is the biggest regional um affiliate with ppai had started and run a trade show pretty impressive trade show i mean even talking thousands of booths at, uh, in the Meadowlands and in different areas up at that, uh, that quadrant in the Northeast. 
And uh, what had happened was, uh, for, for whatever reason, they decided, you know what, PPAI would be a great opportunity to take over. PPAI is brilliant at producing trade shows, as we all know. And I believe it was uh, just kind of a flip. So, and again, from what I know, so that PPI would run the show with the support of Sagney. But at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of effort that goes into producing the shows, especially when they become really, really, really focused and strategic. And you really want to make sure you, you grow them. And so then what happened? COVID hit, Jeff, of course. And uh, let's face it. There was one little little one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of contract. And I think PPI said, hey, Sagney, um, it was a great run. But tell you what, would you like the show back? And um, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school and anything wrong. And and so Donna Jean um, Plant, who is our CEO over at Sagney, said, this makes perfect sense. Went to the board. They said, let's go. And we still have this thing that we think we can kind of put our fingerprint on, being Sagney, and um, and maybe grow it the way we want to, and in a different way in this environment. Meg, am I close? Very close. The only part you left out was they had partnered with the Imprinted Sportswear Show. I yeah, think it was, I, I want to say it started in 2016 because that was my first day at the job of SNS Activewear. They were like, "Yeah, just meet us at the show." And I walk in, I'm like, "Hi, I work here." And everyone looked at me like I had three heads because I was such a new out like incomer. Um, so I feel like they then partnered with ISS show for a couple of years. I think the promo people hated it. Apparel people loved it because it was like two birds, one stone. I think the promo people really didn't like it because it was moved from June, which everyone was so used to having these outdoor events and it being warm to, to March and it's cold. It's March so in cold. Atlantic city is terrible. Oh. Um, oh. It's, it's terrible. But yeah. So that was, I was going to say, I mean, that was sort of when I started uh, doing promotions, uh, promotions East or Expo East at that time um, as, as a distributor at the time, uh, it was right before they started partnering with ISS. So I have a little bit of experience with that show prior to, and then during, and I would say that that was definitely, you know, the, the beginning of the end uh, for, mm-hmm. for that. Um, and I think a lot of people wanted it to be moved out of Atlantic City or just something to be done differently or freshened up because the way that it's laid out is you don't get the same effect that you do in in uh, Vegas with everything being centralized and, um, you know, the timing of the year and all that good stuff. I, I think their biggest issue, like, I think there was good intentions with that partnership with ISS, but ultimately... Um, them moving the show to March instead of ISS moving their show to June to join up with PPAI was the biggest downfall there. So you actually hit two points that I'm over here like, ah, you really nailed that. Number one was the location, right? We, I think for as long as we have known, I mean, before this, it was somewhere else, but for as long as I have known, Promotions East has always been at the convention center in Atlantic City, right? And that was part of the thing that we we really wanted to hear the suppliers and the distributors in our industry saying, we're tired of this location. We really are. So we looked high, we looked far, we looked low, you name it. We looked everywhere for the perfect spot. And it, it ended up coming back to Atlantic City. However, we didn't want to have it at that gray wall convention center. We actually moved it to Harris, which just went through a $350, $400 million renovation from the ballrooms to the, the dining, to the rooms, to everything. So it, we have now this beautiful location. We have everyone staying on, on the premise. So we have, instead of coming from Harris, Trump or Taj or whatever, I don't even know the casinos are down there. I'm saying all the ones from the nineties, but <laughs> um, instead of having people all over the place, now we're in one inclusive spot, right? Which is really awesome. So we have that whole Vegas feel. The second one is the, is the timing. 
Um, March was terrible. June was also, if you think about it, a really terrible time for promotional products. Like it's not really a new product time. It's summer. There's summer specials, right? But we thought, you know, let's move it to October. This gives everyone's opportunity to show what's new for the next year. We have fourth quarter gifts and incentives coming out, all new products. So it's a really good time to get in front of your customers and see as a supplier to show up the new product and as distributors to find out what's new, grand, great for next year before anybody else. I think that's so all. Go ahead. <coughs> Go ahead, Stephen. I was just saying, I think it's a great segue into, into asking you know, Michael and Chris, you know, if people are setting up a new show or trying to freshen something up, like what's that process look like as far as far as finding a venue space that works, finding the right time of year for the the people that will be attending? Like sure. What kind of goes into that? Yeah, Jeff, it, it's so interesting. And it's been so fun with uh, Promotions East, like I said, because we have some very, very active volunteers like Megan and the group. So here, here's what is so important. And it, it doesn't happen the same for any show or any sector. What ends up happening are there's these amazing shareholders, constituents, what you want to call them, called exhibitors and attendees. And don't forget, then there's those folks who, those suppliers who don't exhibit and don't attend. What we did is in this case, and in, in what we do in other trade shows is you got to keep your finger on the pulse. You can't assume this year's show is good. Next year, we just tweak it. There's so much change that's happening at this escalating rate. That, let me just kind of give you an example how we do that. I have a, an association that uh, had two shows and they canceled one. They combined it together and they said, okay, we want to do the new one again. So it would have been natural to go to one of our, you know, just rotation cities and so on, but we didn't. What we did was we used data. And you can't go to just a couple people and feel good about that. You really want to kind of go to the community and really find out what their thoughts are, what timing of shows, where they should be, where there's better density. And don't forget, although shows are certainly picking up in terms of exhibit space and attendance, we are finding more people saying, yeah, I'd rather not get on a plane. So, Jeff, I think you kind of nailed it. What happened in this regard, it was Las Vegas. Who would have thought? where we had people saying we hadn't been in there in years. If we're going to travel, we want to go someplace where we can do a lot more and have some fun and really find value personally, as well as for our business and so on. So I will tell you that the intelligence that we garner from exhibitors, attendees, and potential exhibitors and attendees really help us hone down what city, what venue. And what we're seeing also is we are seeing that smaller, more regional shows are becoming much more dominant. I am part of a group called SISO, the Society of Independent Show Organizers. These are not associations. And all those folks are saying, hey, let's find some places where there's better density of our buyers in the area, make it easier for a two, you know, a two and a half, three hour drive in. And let's focus on those venues so that we can produce more multiple regional shows versus, you know, a big monster show that would be in Vegas or Orlando. There's nothing wrong with those. Those are important also. But we are seeing a trend in that, Jeff, that is unquestionable. Absolutely. I mean, I, I know I've definitely noticed that for sure. The regionals have been very, um, you know, very strong throughout this whole situation. Um, I think the fluidity and flexibility and, you know, just being able to be a little bit more uh, agile in those situations is it's much easier for a smaller organization than some something as large as, you know, an ASI or a PPAI in that instance. So, yeah, you bet. Um, 
So what, what are some of the things that you're noticing as, as things are, you know, so much different now than they were, you know, two, three years ago? What are you seeing uh, with new trade shows? How are things being affected? What's, what's different? Sure. Michelle, this might be a good time to bring up some of the data from our research projects, if you don't mind. Yeah, you know, and it kind of, I'll play off this regional idea. I, I think that the most important thing is that um, it everything that's happened in the last couple of years has given everyone a chance to reset and to step back for a minute. And it's it's allowed a lot of the innovative um, or, you know, creative thinking that was going on before the pandemic, but it was hard to get that at the forefront. It's pushed that all right up to the front. And so so we kind of have a, a saying here. I actually have it on my wall so that I can look at it every day. It says um, it's an evolution, not a revolution. And so it's it's really thinking about um, thinking about your shows as strategic opportunities and and how can you um, use those as a way to grow the community, to grow the association in that regard, to grow business for the people who are participating. Um, and if and if you think about like the regional response lately, that's probably something that would have been talked about, but maybe not executed before. And now that it's getting such a good response, now the challenge is, well, how do we continue to integrate that? So how how do you make your show live for 365 days instead of just a one-time event? Because the goal is to connect your buyers and sellers, right? And so how do, how do you take one experience and have offshoots of that that continues to help drive the whole brand? Um, it, it's kind of a, you know, an, don't always don't go back to what's always been done. I mean, that's that's the most important thing right now, I think, is to just really take advantage and like let's gain something from all this horrible that's happened, right? And and try to implement new things. And to Chris's point, it starts with asking questions and and really knowing what your audience needs on both sides, the buyers, the sellers, the suppliers, the distributors, right? And um and and listening to them. We spend a lot of time doing a lot of work around asking questions and then trying to define the why and the value propositions that matter to those groups. So it's more than an event with a networking function or, you know, a lunch or a breakfast or a keynote. It's sort of like, well, wh like why, I mean, why, why do you have to take time out of your life to come and do this? And, um, you know, really listening to what those needs are and helping each of those groups understand this is the buyers told us they need this. So as the sellers, you need to respond to that and vice versa. Right. And um, you'd be surprised. It sounds really kind of like elementary. Right. And, but the insights that come from it are unbelievable. Um, and that's kind of how we've gathered a lot of this information around these surveys, just asking questions. It's, it's not, um, <clears throat> survey results with data and numbers and pie charts. It's more about just thoughts that we've collected from people um, and, and trying to just increase the value of the event so that it's an experience that can't be replicated by any other, you know, any other tool or experience. Um, that okay. dialogue has to be constant. I'll give you an, an example. I mean, when, when we produce shows and especially starting new shows, we I'm looking constantly for three things. For every shareholder, let's use in this circumstance, whether it be a supplier or distributor, I want to try to create value. And some of those are in experiences, some of their a lot of different ways when they attend an event. One is for their job or their career. 
which is one, you know, to say they're kind of relative. Two is for the company they represent. And three is for them personally. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but Vegas kind of does that when they talk about things personally. But people want to have fun now. We're all investing so much time and effort in these shows and in our businesses and so on. And and it just, we all kind of get to a point where whether we're looking at each other on a Zoom screen or at a convention center, whatever it might be. So constantly staying in touch also creates that relationship with those folks. Um, And I want to give you an example of something that this thing can change on a dime. Produced a show that typically happens in April, but we moved it to August last year in New Orleans. And that that was fine. Hallelujah. We thought COVID was behind us. And two weeks before, (laughs) the epicenter of the new COVID is in New Orleans. Of 300 exhibitors, we lost 100 of our biggest exhibitors. The convention center would not, it said everything was safe. You guys can come in, even though there were VAX cards and, um, you know, masks required, we still had a show. Um, It was a weird position to be in, but look in two weeks how something can change like that. That happens in so many different areas, Michelle, don't you think that you and I deal with it, keeping your finger on the pulse constantly. You know, Meg and Cherry were just talking about some really cool things that we should be doing that we're considering to move forward for this year still, because we got to pay attention to current value and perception of that. Yeah. And um, I was actually going to say something. Charity had had said something and it already went away, but um, dialogue has to be constant. And it's guaranteed that when you have a charity on survey calls, Mm -hmm. so people get mad at Charity and I, because we kind of start brainstorming and we, we come we start with like this whole different topic and end up with an entire game plan in like one call. So our calls do go long, but um, that kind of brings me to my next point, Michelle and Chris, how different is it to work with other industries in comparison to the promotional products industry? Like you have a board and a, and a set and several subcommittees that you're working with. Do you have those uh, resources with other industries and are they as fun as us? <laughs> Not as fun. Not as fun. <laughs> Get that out of the way early. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's true, right? It's, uh, Very true. I don't know. That's it, an honest answer. Definitely not as much fun. Michelle, let me just kind of start. I'd love for you to weigh in. So it, it's so interesting, deal. I mean, we deal with medical shows. We deal with law enforcement shows. We're dealing with broadcast shows, construction shows, all kinds of things, right? The one thing especially I find out, I find in the promotional products industry, is this just amazing sense of community. Mm-hmm. It is just amazing how many of you know each other care about each other, even direct competitors. It's just so interesting. So that's the one thing, at least it kind of pops to mind. It seems like you folks love to support big shows and little shows. It doesn't matter. And I even worked with uh, Sagney on on some of your fall shows, uh, the small tabletops. And it is like old homes days when you get to your shows. There's just this amazing connections that you folks have already created and seem like they last a lifetime. Michelle? Yeah, I I would say just the energy. I mean, I haven't had the pleasure of being at any of those small shows yet, but um, it it is a very vocal group with lots of, and and I mean, this is a very complimentary sort of statement. Like it's, it's a lot of energy and a lot of momentum. And to your point, Chris, that's because people care. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, 
it's fun. I mean, I, we've already had a couple conversations, Meg and Sharon and I are, you know, I'm, I'm off on your tangents, Meg, trying to, to chase your ideas. Right. Um, and, and it's, it's great. I mean, we're going to do some really fun things um, with promotions East and, and around promoting that event and trying to help people understand why they need to, you know, come and join us at Harrah's. Um, but it's, it's fun. It's different. And I've already, applied some of that with some other groups like it's you know it's perfect yeah it's really it's I, it's been really fun yeah awesome. was, was there any was there any intel or research that you guys were able to do in the promotional products industry specifically uh for promotions east that you could maybe shed some light on or share with us um i think we wait till it kind of comes to fruition there's it, it's kind of ongoing jeff like michelle said um but i would say if you if we could save that for another podcast we're, we're constantly, here's the thing. You can't even market these shows until you really have your hands around this amazing community. And, and it's been, again, so many people who have been so willing to share. So we're still kind of in this weird process with promotions East to kind of get it where it needs to be. It will keep evolving. Um, and we are going to use a lot of data. We're going to use a lot of partnerships in what we're doing because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we bring as much value to this whole, it, it, it really is not, it's not a regional show. It really is. It's, it, we're kind of targeting the whole, you know, East coast and, and actually beyond. And what's so interesting is our reg opens up, I think May 1st, Michelle, and we're getting major distributors calling us going, Hey, we want to get on the list to make sure we get information right away. So Jeff, I, I, I can't share every, the, the kind of, total analysis yet, but I would in the future. And it's what we're doing is we kind of test things as we grab intelligence that we feel like is worth testing and it's working. So it was, and I know that's kind of a dodging question or answer. It's not meant to be. Fair enough. It's a very political answer. <laughs> I, I, I kind of have a, right? So I'm just giving you a hard time. So I have a, I have a question. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about this and I was listening to you talk about smaller shows versus larger shows. Um, and I always represent the distributor side of it. So I, my my question would be, you know, in my head and maybe I'm an anomaly, I would rather go to larger shows, um, mm -hmm. being that there's more product to see, more suppliers, more experiences, more mm -hmm. usually ex external social events, which is where a lot of the extra relationships are built and things like that. So I, I find it interesting that the the trend, and I don't know if that's it's our industry or more in like oh, all no, the it's industries. More, no, it's not just yours. It, it, um, Steve, this is across the board. We're seeing more of these small shows pop up. So I, I guess from, from our perspective, I'm just wondering what what drives that. Is it a is it an exhibitor um, poll that's driving it more small, or is it an attendee thing that's driving it more small? Or do are the, do those get equal value when when analyzing? Yeah, uh, Michelle, do I take this, or do you want me to? Well, I was just going to say, I, I think um, it's not really that regional is replacing big. It's that people are finding value in regional. And so I think that it's more about complementing because um, I, I think you're always going to have the, a need for the big, you know, event to, to your point where everybody's there at one time. It's convenient for a lot of people. It's it can be, be very productive, but it's it's then what happens next and can you supplement with small regionals or, um, you know, does it, does the existence of a small regional change some of the component of the big show in a way? 
um, that you're, you know, you don't need to do something to accomplish, you know, a particular objective at the big show if you have some small regionals or so. So I think it's really just thinking about how they go together um, because they have different functions, and, mm -hmm. and that's really that's what we hear from from mm -hmm. the exhibitor and attendee communities when when we talk individually, uh, you know, to support a particular organization like SAGNI or when we kind of go out industry-wide and ask people, people are looking for the full, the full experience, right? So it no longer happens one day or two days at a convention center. It's, it's constant. And, and then what, you know, after the show, what happens after the show, the, the, relationships that are built, everybody, all the exhibitors that are there, they have to pursue those, right? But the show organizer also has to start to own some more responsibility in that, how to propagate those conversations, how to make those connections, how to help everyone who's in that, you know, experience together, how to keep talking. Um, and, and that maybe happens at more regional kinds of functions. But um, I think there's, there's a lot of expectation around the long-term role of a show producer and how that impacts the audience and and creates a lot of value, right? If, if Promotions East or Sagni or, you know, just the industry in general has multiple touch points, it, it's just easier. It matters more and, and you keep coming back. Steve, there's something so interesting that's happened I just want to share with you. And again, we are in touch with literally thousands of exhibitors in very, very diverse groups. Um, during this, call it two years, that, that people didn't convene, a lot of people got off the routine and found other ways to connect. Mm -hmm. Maybe not in great ways, maybe kind of like in more junior ways, but those ways are going to progress too, right? I mean, we're all going to progress in, in, in those directions, but there are a number of the bigger folks who have said, you know what, we're still going to invest in those big shows, but we might invest a little less because we want to do, we want to target areas where we're maybe short on sales or we have some challenges or we want a bigger launch and so on. I've heard that Michelle, at least a dozen times over the past couple of months from yeah. big, big exhibitors. Um, and again, I, I think you're right, Michelle, each one of those events has a different value proposition for the distributor. Mm -hmm. And yeah. my gosh, in heaven, seriously, I mean, Meg, being at one of those tabletop shows is like, it's like a family reunion. I've never seen anything quite like it. It really is. And I think Charity actually pointed that out. It, we're all, I used to always say, this is my family on the road. And I am still friends with people that I, I, I mean, I just talk to them all the time. Like Tony Lametti, like we have been in this industry since like the beginning, I feel like not the beginning, but together, you know, and we kind of grew up, we're not even in the same territory anymore. I don't even see him anymore, but him and I are still such good friends. Charity, same thing. Like she stayed in my hotel room once out in Vegas and we've been like best friends ever since. So you really, are, they really are your family on the road. <clears throat> so we do have a really good community. And I think we did see a rise and I, the trend of regional shows because they were smaller in a time when crowds weren't very it Couldn't popular. be larger. Yeah. Right. So I really think they answered a question. It was a solution. Um, but I do think people are going to be ready come fall. I mean, we saw something yeah. that you even said, Chris, this year in Vegas, I mean, everybody was like, we're on board, we're all going. And then boom, there was an outbreak. And a lot of companies pulled out. Um, PPI did not disappoint. I heard it was one of the best trade shows yet as far as quality. It didn't necessarily mean that, okay, more distributors, bigger doesn't always mean better. It was really about the quality of the show, the quality of the 
um, people that were there, it was better. So I really feel like it was a good show overall. Um, so yeah, I think we will see that trend go up and down. Um, we are really excited. We are hoping that this Promotions East show is going to be big. Um, you know, generally Sagney is the greater New York area, but from this show in general, about 40% of attendees in the past have come from the Pennsylvania area. Um, it's an hour from Pennsylvania, you know, tops. So yeah. we are really hoping to just have a really big national presence this year too, with some of the, mm -hmm. the things that we're doing. So yep. Jeff, if I could share something, and again, this is uh, across several shows and I want to, I'll even give an example of some of the shows. So um, I started producing shows, face-to-face -face shows again, June of last year. Uh, it was in Phoenix and what we saw was uh, our exhibit space was, you know, 40% of what it was back in 19, right? But at the same time, attendance, which was probably 60% of what it was, was just very, very engaged, super engaged. And what I mean by that was this is a group, and I'm not going to mention it just because of the engagement, that isn't usually all that excited about going to the trade show floor. They're more there for the conference. But it was like, what happened? It was almost like, I call it like a reunion kind of thing where people really were, the people were there were more engaged. Then, move on, I did some research at Fabtech in Chicago in September of last year, uh, which is a massive manufacturing show. And my job was to interview attendees, or exhibitors rather, small to mid-sized exhibitors that don't usually get the attention that these big guys get. And what's interesting is talking to 20 of them, they're unprepared for my call, me coming over to talk to them and giving me time to do that, said, my God, we knew there wouldn't be as many people, but the quality of the people are the buyers. Mm -hmm. We we're, we don't really miss the people who are, you know, the secondary and third pe third people and, and students, because at this point, we just need to do business. We need to reconnect because we haven't been able to for so long. Same thing. So I did in January was research again on a show in Orlando. Same thing. About 80% exhibitors, 80% attendees. But what we're hearing is the same thing. The right people are coming. So what's interesting is we're starting to see this momentum again of people coming back to shows. Not everyone's going to be comfortable. We understand that. Here's the funny thing. As a show producer, keep in mind, most of my life has been, how do we create as much density, get as many people from companies as possible? You know, we like to take those shots of those crowded aisles in that entrance. That's not really the play anymore. What we want, what we're hearing is get us the right people, make sure the right people, make sure they have influence in connecting with these buyers and sellers. That's what we're looking for, which is really weird because we've been trained the opposite way. Yeah. Hey, I know one of the things uh, Meg's been hype on, and, and I think we've all been on the same train, is the evolution of presenting. Um, I'm just wondering, as you see across multiple industries, not just ours, are you seeing any evolution in how exhibitors are starting to present or do you see more of kind of the same of what we've we're used to like whether it be experience based or more hands-on or tactile or are you seeing more of that now than you used to michelle oh that's a good question um I don't, I don't, I would hope so. <laughs> um, we talk about it a lot on our calls. Like yeah. it's, you can reinvent yourself now. It's time. Like it's, it's time, time. Yeah. Do the same thing that you've been doing in the past. Right. And I think it's, it's, um, you know, a little bit of, of what I mentioned earlier, it's stuff that we've been talking about for decades, right? Like this is, this is how you improve your experience. This is how you, you make the show better for you. You get better outcomes. Um, 
most people, you know, you say it and they're, they don't do much about it. But now I think people have really been forced to, to truly go back to the drawing board, right? And to, to think about new ways to come to market. So I hope that as these shows unfold this year and, um, you know, people come back that, that it is different. And I, and I think they're going to use their budgets differently. They're going to, you know, rethink the footprint on the floor, what what does that look like? It, you know, Chris, you mentioned earlier, some of them are bigger exhibitors are thinking about smaller spaces, but that doesn't mean it's smaller engagement. You know, they're using their money differently to, to have options for how to connect and what to deliver, you know? So, yep. um, you know, I, I hope that trend continues. It, and I don't want to abuse Charity, this word. We don't talk about Numo. <laughs> she beat me to it. I was going to say, we want more Numos. We want more, <laughs> we want more Numos. That's what we you, want. You don't want to abuse this word. It seems so overused, but the word experience can really manifest itself in so many ways. And so that's the fun part, especially when you work on as many shows as we do. Um, we work on a religious show where they have 24 different experiences for the kids who come. But here's a cool thing. You can see what's popular and how do you kind of blend that into a different industry show and so on. So no, no question at all, Jeff, that experiences, the touching, the feeling, that kind of thing, being part of it, immersing yourself within the show and kind of walking away with different value and experience is hypercritical. We have to keep finding ways to do that better. 100%. Do you guys have any other questions as far as trade shows or what we should expect or anything like that? I, I, no, I don't because I'm like, everything's in my head just going crazy with all the things we have going on already. So I don't even know if I'm qualified to ask the questions. Gotcha. Well, I know, you know, sort of to, you know, Michelle's point earlier, um, I, the, the smaller regional shows aren't, aren't replacing the larger ones, but I think my personal opinion, why you're seeing that uptick in the regional, uh, because I'm a big advocate for the regionals um, and there's huge value in the regional shows. Uh, but I think your reason, your, the reason you're seeing that uptick is because, Chris, like you said, uh, you know, people have a bit of a hesitancy still with travel, uh, airplane mm -hmm. or whatever. So the regional shows are a little bit easier to get to. They're smaller. So you can try to avoid, um, you know, people or certain situations if you want to. It's a little bit more controlled. So um, I think as we sort of move out of uh, this phase that we're in, I think you're you're going to see, you know, people continue to go back to the larger shows. But I, I think you might see people hang on to the regional shows a little bit more as well, just because they, they do find that value uh, while they're there. You know, people are probably testing those out that maybe haven't before or, and, and they're finding that value. So, um, Stephen, yeah. you have anything else to add? Love no. the shows. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. good. All right. It's uh, Chris, folks, we're, we're heading in a better direction. Hallelujah. Um, and hopefully the Creek don't rise as they say. Right. But, um, Thanks for having us on the podcast, yeah, folks. You guys great. are just wonderful. Really appreciate it. Um, like your endorsement of the fun things that we're doing. And uh, we're going to keep following you so that we can kind of get some ideas from you, too. So thank you very much. Thank you, guys. We really yeah, appreciate it, too. Yeah. Nice Sounds to talk good. to you. Well, yeah, absolutely. So this uh, this podcast was brought to you by our good friends over at Tech Weld. And uh, look, I know we mentioned it earlier with the uh, the, the sunglass category being the uh, Distributor Choice Award winner. Um, and so Tech Weld did win the uh, the Distributor Choice Award in 2021 for the sunglass category. And they've got many SKUs that are FDA approved and offer UVA and UVB protection. They've also got a lot of uh, a lot of great cannabis products. 
Uh, so you got to check those out also. Uh, just look, remember to think TechWeld uh, for your promotional product needs. TechWeld is the leading supplier in promotional products with a huge inventory and made in the USA made item or you <laughs> made in the USA uh, items to help distributors grow their bottom line today. Visit TechWeld.com. That's T-E-K-W-E-L-D.com. And uh, check them out. Tell them the Industry Insider sent you. Check out their drinkware, sanitizers, kit options, and more. And uh, until next time, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be seeing you guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corner's Industry Insider. For more great content from industry thought leaders, including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.